0: The Daily Logos, Episode 4, Justification by God's Law. Yesterday we talked about faith. Faith by English definition is commitment, integrity, and effort. Faith by Greek definition, which means by Biblical definition, is trust, conviction, action, hope, and obedience. Today we're going to talk about justification by doing or following God's laws. This is the third thing that justifies us in the eyes of the Lord. So first let's talk about probably the most misunderstood teaching of Paul. God says through the Apostle Paul in Romans 10 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now let's stop here for a moment. Which law is he talking about exactly? He's talking about the full Mosaic law, which is 613 or so laws. And I personally thank God for Romans ten four because I can't keep 613 laws. And I don't know anyone who can memorize that many anyway. So how can we confirm that Paul is talking about the 613 or so laws, what is known as the the Mosaic Law? And of course, the answer to that is in Scripture. Scripture tells us that. So God tells us through Paul in Romans 2.13, For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but it is the doers of the law who will be justified. Now, when people read that, they might think, well, Paul is contradicting himself. No, he's not. He's not contradicting himself at all. He's talking about two different laws. And we'll go into that. But let's see what Christ says in the New Testament. This is what God says through Matthew, in Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come, excuse me, I've not come to abolish them, but I've come to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, Not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So, last time I checked, heaven and earth haven't passed away. So that means the law is still relevant. But again, we have to, and we also know again, Romans 2.13, that we're justified by our obedience to the law. So if the law hasn't gone away, and we're justified by following the law, we still have to pin down what, what law exactly is he talking about. So let's really quick read and do some more reading in the New Testament. This is going to be the, the Apostle John. So God says through the Apostle John in John fourteen fifteen, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Boom, there we have it. So Paul's talking about the 613 laws in the Mosaic law and Jesus in Matthew and Paul in Romans chapter 2 is talking about the commandments, the Ten Commandments. So now we have clarity. So, Jesus is telling us that the way we show our love for Him is by obeying the Ten Commandments. But therein lies another problem because that's not the only thing we're required to show our love for Christ. God tells us through the Apostle John in John 14, 24, "...whoever does not love me does not keep my words." So there we got more criteria, right, to to tell if someone truly loves Christ. It's obedience to the Ten Commandments. In obedience to his words. So we have to understand here that we talked about this yesterday, Theanustas, all scripture is God breathed. So for Christians, really what's that mean? What that means is all of the New Testament is God speaking. Right? If all scripture is God breathed and salvation is revealed in the New Testament, then we have to follow all of the New Testament. Now that may be a lot to take in at first, but it's really, it's really not that difficult when you get the main ideas pinned down. So, <clears throat> what we pretty much have to do here, looking at the criteria for what makes someone display their love for Christ and someone who does not, is what we're, what the Bible's doing is it's drawing a line between a person who genuinely loves Christ, and a person who is a worldly person who likes the idea of salvation. So again, as Christians, we must follow the entire New Testament. And it may seem overwhelming, but let's just pick a starting point. Let's pick a starting point. And I know we have to follow the, the entire New Testament, but let's start with the, the main law, the Ten Commandments, and then let's look at some sins we're supposed to avoid, like the plague. And what that'll do is that'll tell us what Christian behavior looks like. So the Ten Commandments are... Number one, love God first with all your heart, mind, and soul. Number two, no idolatry. That can be self-idolatry or otherwise, bowing and worshiping graven images. Now, self-idolatry is when you think more highly of your mind than the instruction in the New Testament. Okay, so when you're making your own rules, that's self-idolatry. When you go by God's rules, that's honoring His commandments and His words and God's written word. Now, some people take the second commandment as, like, if I have a picture of Jesus in my home, that is a graven image. Well, if you look into Exodus and Deuteronomy, it's a graven image is like a carved image that you're bowing down or worshiping. So there's a little bit of a split in the Christian community. I personally don't think a picture of Jesus in your home is a problem unless you're bowing down to it and worshiping it because we're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to make carved images that we bow down and worship to. But I don't think like if you have a picture of Jesus in the New Testament, excuse me, if you have a picture of Jesus at the Last Supper that you're violating a commandment. So, and theologians will disagree, but self idolatry, and false idols are completely different than having a picture of Jesus to remind you of who he is and what we are to do for him as Christians. The third commandment, don't take the Lord's name in vain. The fourth commandment, keep the Sabbath holy. So there's supposed to be a day and Paul says don't worry about the exact day, just dedicate a day to the Sabbath, which is to rest from labor, to take a break, and to do exactly what God did after he created everything, right? The fifth commandment is honor your father and your mother. Now, obviously, before you start a family, you have to obey your parents unless they ask you to violate Scripture. Now, if they're asking you to sin, then you can disobey them, right? But if you're not married, if you're living in their household, if you're still under their authority, regardless of what man's law says, regardless if you're 18, 21, 25, if you're living with your parents and you're under their household still and you haven't gotten married, then you have to honor and you have to obey them. And it's so serious that in the, in the New Testament, Christ repeats and, and revisits some of the Mosaic laws that say people who dishonor their parents should be put to death. So he, he drives a point home on how important it is to honor your father and mother. The sixth commandment, do not commit murder. Killing someone while you're defending their family is different than cold-blooded murder. Commandment number seven, do not commit adultery. And this is a tough one because divorce is adultery lust in the heart is adultery premarital sex is adultery and so is pornography so there's a lot of snares out there that satan can can get you on adultery so it's it's crucial to really stay away from the secular and worldly um secular and worldly things that are ungodly the eighth commandment is do not steal the ninth commandment is do not lie and the tenth commandment is do not covet anything that is someone else's so that's kind of the main cornerstone of God's moral law, the code of ethics we're supposed to follow, and we demonstrate our love of Christ by doing them. Now, there's a caveat. There's some sins laid out in the New Testament that God tells us it prevents us from inheriting the kingdom of heaven, which is what, which is why repentance is so important, and studying Scripture is so important, because we have to know what sin is in order to avoid it. Okay, so the sins that we should avoid are listed in 1 Corinthians 6 and Galatians 5. Now, I'm not going to go into every single one. I'm just going to name a few in 1 Corinthians 6 because that one's easier to understand. And Galatians 5 is harder because you have to kind of pin down the exact meaning of the words to make sure you're understanding what sin is. So let's just focus on 1 Corinthians 6 as the sins we should avoid like the plague. So the first is sexual immorality. Excuse me, sexual immorality. So that's, if you want to know... These are not all of them, but there is a lot of them. If you want to know what sexual immorality is, I think it's Leviticus 18. It's like a ton of lists of sexual sins. Go visit that, and that will give you an idea of sexual immorality. Number two, idolatry. Again, that's self-idolatry or otherwise worshiping idols. Number three, adultery. We've touched on that. Number four, homosexuality. And this is where people, you have to understand as a Christian that God says homosexual will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But there's a difference between struggling with being attracted to the same sex and avoiding homosexuality and still pursuing righteousness in Christ. Discipline is the difference between a homosexual um, attraction versus actually committing homosexuality. Number five, stealing. Number six, greed. Number seven, excessive alcohol consumption or drunkards number eight revilers so this is kind of hard because it's like well what exactly is reviling if you look at the etymology of, of the word reviling which is the exact same word in the in the greek manuscripts by the way so the translation is perfect um it's like an insult it's to insult to taunt to vilify or to sail assail someone so It's kind of like verbally attacking someone, taunting them, insulting them. That's what it means to revile. And that's different than rebuking, right? Like if you're rebuking someone who calls themselves a Christian or you're offering reproof and you're saying, hey, this is, the Bible says we're not supposed to do that. This is what you are doing and this is what you should not do. That's not reviling. Uh, Rebuking and offering reproof is not reviling. Number nine, swindling. And that means to obtain money... Or property by fraud or deceit. So there's 1 Corinthians 6, nine things that we should avoid like the plague, and then of course you got the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy and Exodus that we're supposed to follow to demonstrate our love for Jesus Christ. So let me close with a few questions. Should we be so foolish as to think God ever changes? Obviously not, right? God does not change. Should we be so foolish as to think God's standards for morality ever change? Of course not. God's standards are always going to be God's standards. The only thing different is the 613 Mosaic Laws in the Old Testament versus all instruction in the New Testament or all commands in the New Testament for that matter because if Jesus is Lord, when he tells us to do something, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not negotiable. It's not an option. So we are under the authority of Scripture All through the New Testament as Christians. So if someone seeks to be justified as a Christian and to grow as a Christian they must follow the Ten Commandments. We've got to avoid the sins in 1 Corinthians 6 like the plague. We have to avoid the sins in Galatians 5 like the plague. And that's a good starting point. That's a short and easy study that can kind of point you in the direction on how to love God with all your heart mind and soul and how to seek to be justified on judgment day. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.